Welcome to episode two of the Henry Cejudo Experiment. This episode begins in Colorado Springs, Colorado, the home of the Olympic Training Center. Well, the Olympic Training Center is a special place. I think there's no other place like it on earth. You're hearing from Rich Bender, executive director of USA Wrestling. From when you walk through the gates there, the focus is on performance. World-class wrestling training facility, world-class recovery center, world-class sports medicine. Sitting at 6,000 feet above sea level, the Olympic Training Center is a state-of-the-art athletic complex where America's top athletes live and train full-time to pursue their Olympic dreams. But it's really cool to see all these different sports kind of rally around the idea of excellence from a performance standpoint. The wrestlers who lived at the Olympic Training Center were known as the Resident Program, a collection of college graduates who were training for the Olympic Games full-time. Here's Kevin Jackson, who in the summer of 2004 was the head coach for Team USA and worked closely with the resident program. During that time, we had a pretty strong resident program with quite a few athletes living on campus. We were rolling pretty hard at that time. National champions, world team members, World Cup champions, really doing a great job within that program. In the summer of 2004, the resident program was squarely focused on the Athens Olympics, which were just a few weeks away. But Doc Bennett, who was in charge of recruiting new athletes into the resident program, was focused on the next games, which would take place four years later in Beijing. When I came into that position at USA Wrestling, I saw several things that I felt we needed to do to change uh, the situation. The situation wasn't good for USA Wrestling. It had been over four years since an American wrestler won a World or Olympic Championship on the mat. And during that time, the Russians had won 13 World or Olympic Championships. Historically, Doc recruited college graduates for the resident program. But for the Beijing Games, he had a new idea. When did you first get the idea to bring a high school age kid to the training center? When I first came in, that was one of the things I wanted to accomplish. This is Doc Bennett. I felt that we had a system there that would benefit a young athlete that's just getting ready for college. Doc's first test subject was a high school phenom out of Arizona, Angel Cejudo. Here's Kevin Jackson. Angel was the guy Doc Bennett was after. And so all I heard about was Angel Cejudo, Angel Cejudo, Angel Cejudo. But it wasn't normal. The normal path was for a wrestler to go from high school to college, and then the top college wrestlers to go on to the resident program. Doc Bennett just felt like Angel was that good. The other factor was that Angel didn't have the grades for college. And so even though he was one of the best high school wrestlers in the country, he had nowhere to go. I knew Angel wasn't going to go to college. I knew it wasn't going to happen. I knew he wasn't going to be headed in that direction. By midsummer, Doc had made contact with Angel and offered to fly him to the OTC for a tour and to hear his pitch. Angel came up, and we were sitting in my living room visiting. I had taken a visit up there, and I remember his house. He had a couple different awards from different places that he, uh, he's gotten. Angel was being offered a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, a full tuition scholarship to live and train at the OTC. Back to Doc Bennett. And I laid out the ground rules and what would do and what would be expected of him, and he'd be in the resident program. 
Even if Doc's offer was an amazing opportunity for Angel, deep down, he was having some reservations. At just 18 years old, Angel was about to become a father, and moving to the OTC meant living 12 hours away from his family. Uh, yeah, I was lost at that time, so I wasn't too sure what journey, uh, the journey that was ahead of me. But the OTC and Doc's offer were Angel's last chance to continue wrestling. So he told Doc that he'd consider the offer. But before he left Doc's living room, Angel said five words that would forever change American wrestling. Yeah, Daddy said, my brother wants to come, Henry. And I said, well, I'm real interested in Henry, but he's got two years of high school left. He said, no, he wants to come now. And I said, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. But, you know, I'll, I'll take it into consideration. Doc had been following Henry's career for over a year. He first saw him compete at the age group nationals out at Fargo. Henry first came on my radar when I watched him compete. Phenomenal talent, athletic ability, but heart. I just saw the heart of a champion. You don't see that a lot. You see a lot of great athletes. You see a lot of ability, but but he just really had a heart for the sport. And I didn't even want to introduce myself at the time. I just watched him and thought, well, this kid's young, but boy, I want to keep track of this one. After that meeting with Angel, Doc began to look into Henry in earnest and called a coach in Arizona who knew the Cejudos well. And I said, Angel's going to maybe come up to this resident program. And he said, Henry would like to come too. And, you know, he's awful young. I don't know if we can make that work, but what do you think about Henry at that age where he's at right now? He says, if you don't get him now, you won't get him. He says he needs a change of environment. He needs to move. It'd be good for Henry to move. What started as a few passing words was now picking up steam. Doc continued looking into Henry's background and called Rich Bender, executive director of USA Wrestling, to talk about the idea of Henry moving to the OTC and joining the resident program. It took me back like, well, how old is he? I mean, I knew the name, right? I knew obviously Angel was who we were after. And I said, well, let me check first with the USOC and see if that's something that, that we could do. The USOC had final say over who was and wasn't allowed to live at the OTC. So Rich Bender arranged for Doc to meet with the committee. So I went to him down at the USOC and I said, I want to bring Henry and explained it to him. And the answer was no, <laughs> it didn't happen. The biggest issue was Henry's age. At the time of that meeting, Henry was weeks away from beginning his junior year of high school, whereas the average age of the wrestlers in the resident program was 26. There's a real danger there. You got guys there that are out of college, resident athletes, and they're going out on Friday night. It's a different lifestyle than, than a high school kid should have. And I think that was, they were afraid of the influence of, of that type of thing on him until he got a little older. The USOC's decision to not allow Henry to come meant that Doc's plan had hit a dead end. I was sitting in the sauna with Paulo Ono, the speed skater. And I looked at him and it dawned me, I said, how old were you when you came here? Well, he was like 15. And I said, really? You know, I believe in divine intervention. And I, I think that, I think that you know, the Lord put Apollo and Natsono at the same time as me so that I could uh, formulate the idea. 
So I went back to the USOC people there I was talking to, and I said, so you got different rules for speed skating than wrestling. Rich Bender was more diplomatic in his approach. So we met with the USOPC, and I remember the meeting, and they, you know, they kind of looked at me like, how old is he? And we, you know, told him, hey, this is, right, this is really unique, but we think it's, it, it's good for our program, and, and you know, it, it, it'll make us better. And the USOPC said, well, hey, we trust you guys, and, but there's some conditions, right? I mean, you can't just come here and not go to school, right? He's got to go, he's got to go to school. Doc Bennett. So we went, I went to work on it and uh, arranged for Henry to be accepted and, and to be able to come. A few hours later, on a hot August night in West Phoenix, Henry received a phone call. They says, you know, we want Henry to become a resident athlete at the Olympic Training Center. You know, can, can this kid become an experiment for Team USA? Can we do something with this kid? So as soon as they asked me, I was like, when, where, and uh, what time? Because I, I want to go now. But first, Henry's mom had to say yes. As Henry would be moving 14 hours away to live at the Olympic Training Center. First, we had to convince her to let her son go at age 16 to a whole other world. Henry's brother, Angel Cejudo. And I think she knew as well that it was the best options for him. The other caveat was that Angel had to come with. Here's Doc Bennett again. I would have never done it without Angel coming too. But Angel wasn't so sure about moving to the OTC. At that point, I didn't know if I was going to come. Like, I really didn't. Because his drive and desire was way beyond mine. I think at that point in my life, I was almost done with the sport. I really was. And I'll say it here, you know, I was going to have a kid at age 18. So I had to make a decision whether I was going to stay. Sorry, I'm getting a little emotional. If I was going to stay in Arizona and just do what everyone else was doing, get to work and raise a kid. But if Angel stayed in Arizona, Henry's chances of moving to the OTC would be over. I just remember him being so excited to go. And, and in my mind, I'm like, dude, I'm not going. By late August, Angel had to make a decision. And I don't even think he knows this. The reason why I went was because of him. Because I knew he was special. I knew he needed to be at the Olympic Training Center. On August 17th, 2004, Henry and Angel arrived at their new home. And it was great because now we're at the Olympic Training Center. I mean, the pinnacle of our sport. As Angel was getting settled, Henry kept asking himself a question. Why does this feel like home more than my actual home? And I'm just like, man, you guys have free food, lodging, you can wrestle all day. The mats are literally about 100 feet from where I'm staying. But before Henry could step foot in the wrestling room, he had other obligations. Like being a full-time student at the local high school. Here's Dave Hurtado, who at that time was a teacher at Coronado High. Back then when Henry was there, it was predominantly upper middle class white. Because I remember when, when Henry was here, that was one of the things that he would talk about was he wasn't used to not having people of his same um, color and culture and what have you. So it was, it was kind of a shock for him. Almost immediately, Dave Hurtado and Henry became close. I spoke Spanish, he spoke Spanish, so we kind of hit it off. Here's Henry. I could really relate and bond with him because he was Mexican-American. 
Despite being one of the most popular wrestlers in the country, Henry was an enigma at Coronado High. There's not many people like Henry with that discipline and drive. So he felt alone and isolated because there weren't a lot of people he could communicate with and who understood his background or where he was coming from or where he was going to. People didn't get that. When he says he was gonna be an Olympic champ, everybody go, yeah, right. But he knew it. Here's Henry. What was your experience at Coronado? To me, it was all business. Like I, I didn't, I didn't have friends, man. I really didn't. But that wasn't because I was weird. That was just a choice that I had. I can't really tell you any memories I had in high school. I was so driven, so committed to the dream that uh, I think that's what's. I think that's what really separated me from everybody else. I was there to go to school, to get out and go straight to practice. After school was out, Henry would bike across town, back to the Olympic Training Center run up to his dorm, and grab his wrestling clothes. On his first day of practice, he walked into the wrestling room and saw guys like world champion Bill Zadig and six-time national champion Daniel Cormier. All of a sudden, this kid was in practice with us, and it was just the oddest thing, but... Why was it an odd thing? Because you just didn't see that. You didn't have 16, 17-year-old kids in the Olympic training room. Henry Cejudo was the first to ever do that. It was kind of a new thing for us here at USA Wrestling. This is Gary Abbott, Director of Communications for USA Wrestling. There was a lot of specific energy placed into making sure that it was a success, right? Because if Henry's situation worked out well, it, it would set a precedent for future opportunities for other young people. Success for Henry would mean a gold medal at the Beijing Olympics, which in September of 04, we're over four years away. But that didn't stop Henry from getting to work. There is not a high school kid in the country in any sport that was committed like me in any sport. I would always put in about an hour and a half of work after everybody else was done. Here's Daniel Cormier again. He was always around the coaches because he knew that's where the knowledge came from. The head coach of the resident program was none other than Sergei Belaglazov, a former Soviet Union legend who won two Olympic gold medals and six world titles. And man, I respected the crap out of him. Like everything that I ever uh, aspired to be like, I'm being coached by this guy. Sergey was hired by USA Wrestling to help the Americans compete with the Russians. Here's Angel. I came from an environment where we wrestled and we trained so hard. You know, the Iowa style of training, the Dan Gable. But Sergey brought a new approach to the OTC, starting with the warm-up for each practice which consisted of 10 minutes of soccer. Playing games in the wrestling room? What? You don't play games in the wrestling room? Despite his playfulness, when it came to wrestling technique, Sergey was a wizard. Well, Sergey was a, a technician. Just little things. Even now, I think a lot of people don't know what he knows. You know, a lot of stuff that, that Sergey was teaching, we were actually doing. So Sergey fell in love with us. The Cejudos absorbed everything they could from Sergey. But within just a few months of arriving at the OTC, Sergey left and took a job in Phoenix as a club coach. Back to Angel. So for him to leave, now he's going to our hometown, where we came from. I remember talking about it. Dude, I think we're going to maybe go back. Just a few months into his time at the OTC, Henry had a big decision to make follow his new coach to Arizona 
or stay in Colorado Springs. Deep down in my heart, I, I didn't want to I didn't want to leave the Olympic Training Center. Like I knew I knew how close I was to the dream. With Sergey gone, the OTC began their search for a new coach. Meanwhile, Henry was heading into the high school wrestling season. Even though the USOC mandated that Henry simply had to graduate high school, Doc Bennett, Henry's handler, made him wrestle a full high school season. I felt he needed to go be a part of a high school team. So was that even beneficial for him, given his talent level relative to other high schoolers? Absolutely. I was, the whole life, he felt like a loner. Why? He's interacting with people that are four or five years older than him all the time, six years older, seven years older. I wanted to get him in a high school environment where he could formulate some friendships that never happened. But I wanted him to. Henry's high school matches that winter were more spectacle than they were sport. As there wasn't a high school wrestler in the country, let alone Colorado, who could compete with Henry. During a dual meet that season, one of Henry's opponents came up to his coach, Dave Hurtado, and said the following. I'm going to be the first guy to be Henry Cejudo in high school. I said, man, that's awesome. That's a great goal. So I go tell Henry, I said, this kid said he's going to be the first kid to beat you. Isn't that great? He says, oh, wow, okay. So Henry shakes his hand, takes three steps back, and crowd's going, what's going on? He does a cartwheel, lands face-to-face with a guy, inside trips him right to his back and pins him. Wrestling for Coronado meant that Henry had yet another wrinkle in his already loaded schedule. So he'd go to a workout at the Olympic Training Center in the morning, ride his bike from the Olympic Training Center to Coronado, which is about five miles, and then have a practice, and then go back to the training center, have dinner, what have you, and then have another practice. After a few months of this routine, it was starting to wear on Henry. I said, you can't keep doing this. So, you know, I have plenty of room at my house. You're more than welcome. And so he came to stay with me at that time. The problem was that per Colorado rules, a student couldn't live with a coach. I actually stopped coaching because I thought his best interest was more important to me than coaching. So I stopped coaching and basically just took care of him. Here's Henry. Hurtado was the closest thing I've ever had to a father. Taught me how to drive, was patient with me. You know, I love my mom, but my mom didn't have that with me. By February of Henry's junior year of high school, he had gained a mentor in Dave Hurtado and won a third straight high school state championship this one in Colorado, he was ready to turn his attention full-time back to the OTC. Right around this time, rumors began circulating about a possible candidate for the head coaching position of the resident program. Go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners. Who are we hearing from? Uh, Terry Brands. Terry Brands. Terry Brands from Iowa City, Iowa, the two-time world champion. Terry Brands is one of the most legendary American wrestlers of all time. He burst onto the national scene with his twin brother Tom in the early 1990s, where he won two national titles for Dan Gable at the University of Iowa. Terry and Tom are really two of the favorite athletes that Dan has produced over the years because they exemplify his style and his drive so much. You know, one thing about the Brands brothers... This is Kendall Cross. I wrestled both of them multiple times. It was just a... It's like being in a car accident. After graduating from Iowa, Terry won world titles in 1993 and 1995. 
Along the way, he developed a reputation as being one of the most intense and brutal competitors of his time. Once the whistle blew, it was like, oh, blah, blah, blah. He really is a very typical Iowa wrestler. He just puts so much pressure on you and always coming forward. You know, just the whole time, if you uh, felt like you were being pushed and pulled and didn't know where you, whether you were coming or going. Heading into the 1996 Olympic trials, it was all but assured that Terry would represent the United States at the Olympic Games in Atlanta. But at the trials, he was upset by his main rival, Kendall Cross. Perhaps the greatest series of wrestling ever, Terry Brands and Kendall Cross met, and it would be Cross who would eventually knock off the two-time world champion. After having his dreams crushed at the trials in 96, Terry vanished from the wrestling world. He was such a disappointment losing in 96. This is Doc Bennett. And I think he had, I think he did a lot of self-searching and soul-searching. Four years after that loss, Terry returned to the Olympics and took a bronze at the Sydney Games, a medal that he's never looked at, even to this day. And do you think Terry was still carrying some demons from not winning gold? I think Terry carried will carry demons his whole life. That's part of what happens. I think guys that are in those situations that come that close and don't get it done, I don't think it ever leaves. After retiring from competition, Terry took that same intensity and drive into his coaching career. Terry's as good in a room working with athletes as anybody I've ever been around, and I've been around a lot. He doesn't care who the athlete is or where he's from. When he's in that room, he's, he, Terry's going to work with him. And by the spring of 2005... USA Wrestling was knocking down Terry's door to offer him the head coaching job of the resident program. I've always wanted to work in Colorado Springs. Always did. You know, it was one of those things where Jackson came back to me and it was, I'm going. On April 4th, as Henry was wrapping up his junior year of high school, USA Wrestling announced that Terry Brands would be the next head coach of the resident program. The next day, Terry got in his truck and drove 19 hours west to Colorado Springs. He moved into an apartment at the OTC across the hall from Henry. At that time, my room was here, and he was literally staying right next door to me. Like, literally right next door. Just like, shit, man, I hope this dude likes me. The next morning, Henry and the rest of the resident program nervously walked into the wrestling room for their first practice with Terry. Here's Angel. And I remember him walking in. Before we get wrestling, you got music playing. Walks up, shuts it off. We're like, oh man, the stories are true. <laughs> Back to Henry. And by the time we had that first practice with Terry, it was just like, shit. That's when the brute of, of training kind of came in. But to me, it was like, no, 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 this is, this is perfect. Like, I, I want to be pushed. After that first practice, Henry, Angel, and the rest of the resident program realized that life moving forward would be very different than it was with Sergey. I had more of a friendship with Sergey, where I was like, you know what I mean? He can just like slap me in the head or whatever. It's like, hey, listen. But it was more like, you know, we could talk. But then once Terry came in, it was more like, I gotta be careful what I say. So I would say the difference between Terry and uh, Sergey is Sergey is much more technical. You're hearing from Kevin Jackson, who at the time was the head coach for Team USA. And Terry was on the side of, let's make him tougher, let's make him tougher, let's make him tougher, let's make him tougher. Within a week of his first practice, Terry instituted what would become known as 
the Terry Rules, a set of codes and regulations that the resident athletes had to follow. Being on time was late. This is Angel again. You were there 20 minutes before with shoes on. You knew if even if you were sick, you better be there. You weren't going to say, call in, hey, Terry, I'm sick. I didn't come to practice. I was sick. You better walk in. He'll send you back home. Terry also mandated what kind of clothes the wrestlers could wear at practice. He had everybody wear a blue USA wrestling shirt. And if you go look at older videos, you'll see us with red or blue shirts, black shorts, blue shorts. Of all the changes Terry ushered in, the one that everyone talks about is his mandated weekly runs up the Pikes Peak Incline Trail, which is a one-mile vertical climb. It was a great cross-training tool. It was a great mental toughness check. This is Terry Brands. You know, we did it. Rain, snow, sleet, shine. I'm sure you heard about it. We did it. It didn't matter. As most of the wrestlers were getting used to the new workloads, Henry was thriving under Terry's leadership. Here's Kevin Jackson. Terry became an instant mentor uh, to Henry. Um, he could tell Henry to run through a wall. Henry run through the wall. Angel Cejudo. Now you got a... Someone like Terry telling them all this, you're building a machine. You're building somebody that if Terry said to do, to run 100 miles, Henry's going to do it. Here's Kevin Jackson. He was so young, everything was new. And so when you got a new athlete in your program, you can tell him to do whatever. And he's going to do it because he doesn't know any, doesn't know any better. Back to Angel. They're so like-minded about how they think and how they train and how they look at this world of winning a gold medal and nothing else. There's nothing else but that gold medal. Six weeks after Terry arrived at the OTC, he and Henry were at the Junior World Team Trials, the gatekeeper event to the Junior World Championships. At the trials, Henry beat future NCAA champion Paul Donahoe, who at the time was a college freshman, whereas Henry was just a junior in high school. After Henry won the trials, he spent the next six weeks getting ready for the Junior Worlds. Here's Angel again. Everything he put his mind to, he wanted to accomplish. And that was winning the Junior Worlds. He couldn't, he, that was all he thought about, was becoming a Junior World Champ. The Junior World Championships features the best 17 to 20 year old wrestlers in the world and the most elite countries like Russia, Iran, and Japan all send full teams to this tournament. If Henry were to win it, it'd be a major stepping stone in his quest to become an Olympic champion. And now you're getting ready to, now it's becoming surreal, right? The whole time you, you grew up, you know, Henry grew up thinking, I want to be a world champion. Well, here's his opportunity. On July 6, 2005, Henry made his debut for Team USA. He won his first two matches, taking out Ukraine and Latvia. But in the semis, he drew the Russian, Besik Kudakov. Besik Kudakov, the Russian in the blue. Besik would go on to become a four-time world champion and one of Henry's main rivals. But in the summer of 05, he was just another Russian. Just watching him and watching everybody else, like this Russian, he's probably favored to win this whole thing. So then I go through my matches, we ended up meeting each other in the semis. At around three in the afternoon, Henry and Besik stepped onto the mat with a trip to the junior world finals hanging in the balance. Henry went on the attack first, shooting a low single. I want to say I took him down first. After Henry scored, Besik got a takedown of his own and was on top with a dominant hold. Angel was watching from the stands. At that point, I remember it, Kudakov having a trap arm gun. 
A trap arm gut is one of the most dominant positions in freestyle wrestling. He had a really tough trap arm gut. You know, deep waist, stay on the same side, drive. I think he ends up taking Henry. A tech fall is wrestling's version of the mercy rule. And it was the first time that Henry had ever been teched. I knew how good I was, but he, uh, you know, he got me. He spanked me. And I remember just, I remember being so upset and like just, just down on myself. Doc Bennett was coaching Henry during a semifinal bout with Basique. Henry wasn't quite at the same level, I don't think, at that point yet. I think that's where it really sank in Henry that I gotta, I gotta get better. I think that's what really sank in was in that particular match. After Henry lost to Basique in the semifinals, he dropped down to the bronze medal match where he lost again, which meant that Henry would be going home from his first world championships without a medal. After flying back to Colorado, Henry couldn't shake the pain of losing to Basique. That whole year of 2005 of just like, hey, I know who is it that I want to beat, but at the same time, I want to start making my jump to the senior circuit. The senior circuit is the highest level of international wrestling. It's comprised of the guys and girls who are trying to make world Olympic teams. It's rare for a high schooler to enter a senior level tournament, let alone win a match. But Henry was hungry to avenge his loss to Basik, so he chased the Russian to the 2005 NYAC holiday tournament. Because I really want to test myself. And I, I know that the shake that I gave them at the Junior Worlds, that it wasn't that it wasn't me. That was Henry. Here's Angel. Henry wanted him so bad. And here's the thing, they went at it right away. On a snowy Saturday morning, as most New Yorkers were going on about their day, Henry and Basik were in the early seconds of their rematch. Henry throws heavy hands. And all of a sudden, they start throwing hands, and one slap became a club, and a club became a fist. Basically, got so frustrated with me that he literally threw an uppercut at me. Boom, it hit me. Because like that to him, like, you punch me, we're fighting. At this point, Henry and Basik had stopped wrestling and were squared off toe-to-toe. If you're not used to watching the Russian nationals, if two athletes are about to fight, what happens in Russia? All the athletes, all the coaching, everyone jumps in to fight. Now we're in the U.S. I don't know that environment. We didn't know that. But my brother's getting ready to go toe-to-toe with somebody. I'm ready to jump. And I remember Terry grabbing me. Let Sergey take care of that. Even though Sergey had moved on from his role at the OTC, he was still close with Henry and stepped in on his defense. So Sergey walks up to the mat, grabs both of them out, and he's speaking to, to Kudakov and Henry stop, you know, and boom, we'll shake hands. That was it. As the match resumed, Henry went on the attack. And I just put I just put a beat down on Bisick, a clinic, right? Low single dumb, just scored, scored on him like he just wouldn't believe to the point where I, I ended up tacking him second period. Back to Angel. Henry texts him and Henry's so excited he starts yelling, USA, USA. Avenging that loss to Basique showed Henry that he was ready to compete with the best in the world. And across the country, message boards were lighting up with how Henry, a high school senior, teched the defending junior world champ and won the NYAC. In the weeks that followed, every college coach in the country would be pounding down Henry's door with scholarship offers, whining and dining, and doing whatever they could to swoon Henry away from Terry 
and the OTC. Thanks for listening to Episode 2 of the Henry Cejudo Experiment, a six-part series on how a high school phenom became a test subject for USA Wrestling. If you love the show, we'd love to hear from you. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the show. We're available on every major listening platform. If you want to help support the podcast, check out our merch at store.wrestlingchangemylife.com. We have t-shirts, hoodies, and an exclusive poster from the Henry Cejudo Experiment. For more content, check out our YouTube page, Wrestling Changed My Life. The Henry Cejudo Experiment was written, edited, and directed by me, Ryan Warner. Writing and editing by Raleigh Peterkin. Production assistant, Dusty Kress. Business manager, Tanner Warner. Original score by Gary Lanelli. A special thank you to Chael Sonnen, Henry, and Angel Cejudo. We'll see you in episode three of the Henry Cejudo Experiment.